0: episode 43.
1: Hey, this is PJ Dixon, affectionately referred to as the love guru. And if you want to learn to build more genuine relationships, you should be listening to build your network with my good friend, Travis Chapel.
0: If you're listening to this, then there's a good chance that you're serious about building your network. If that's you, and only if you're serious, you should definitely check out my Facebook group, Build Your Network Beta. If you want more personal engagement, proven connection strategies and tactics, and some awesome giveaways like shopping sprees, beats, headphones, etc., etc., then head on over to byn.media forward slash FB to join the group, or you can search Facebook groups for build your network beta and join there. And once you do, please be sure to introduce yourself and say what's up. And I will catch you there. And now let's go ahead and chat with today's guest, PJ Dixon. PJ is a lifelong motivational speaker and an international life, love, and relationship coach who focuses on results. He's affectionately known as the love guru, and after spending any time with him, you'll understand why. He lives his life with a single mission, love deeply and teach others to do the same. He's the creator of two different coaching programs on love and relationships, and despite PJ's disability, which is expected to take his life by age seven, he chose to live and live well. PJ has truly lived an extraordinary life, sailing, outdoor skydiving, indoor skydiving, trapezing, zip lining, hiking, mountain climbing, snow skiing, water skiing, aqua jetpacking, and the list goes on and on. He's a former wheelchair athlete, international traveler, amateur watercolorist, founder of 2 nonprofit organizations and four disabled sports programs, a published author, 10th degree black belt martial arts and women's self-defense instructor, and a meditation teacher. Additionally, PJ has been inducted into the National Hall of Fame for people with disabilities and was nominated to carry the Olympic torch through Tucson in 2000 too. PJ, thank you so much for coming on the show today, brother. I'm super excited to have you on. Why don't you go ahead and expound a little bit on the intro and then tell us more about yourself.
1: Thank you, brother, for allowing me to be here with you and your audience. You're such a great guy. It's so funny, right? When I listen to my own intro, I'm like, oh my God, stop talking. (laughs) It's so like it's cool, like this is how I live, right? But it's also a little bit like, maybe I should have sent a really short bio, so it didn't sound like I was so, you know, Ostentatious, crazy. yeah. I know, I know. But I have, the truth is, despite my disability, I've lived an incredible life. I have a very rare form of muscular dystrophy that was expected to take my life by the age of seven. Hmm. The, must, the disorder that I have, when I was 12, there were 25 known cases in the world. And so I figure if I have to get something, I got something cool, right? (laughs) Uh, So and I always joke like this, right? I figured like since I was supposed to die at seven, I'm 48 years old now. I've lived 41 years longer than I was supposed to. I always like to say that either I've got something good to do, which I truly hope, or God's pissed and I'm working off my karma, (laughs) which is probably the case. Yeah. Uh, So for me, a little bit more about my background, like I walked with leg braces. I didn't walk until I was two. I walked with leg braces until I was in third grade. And in third grade, I told my mom I didn't want them anymore. And I distinctly remember them sticking out of the trash. And she let me go for two and a half, three years without the leg braces. Now whether or not she picked them up and put them on a shelf somewhere, I don't know. Mm -hmm. What I do know is I still remember seeing them stick out of the trash. And I didn't go back into leg braces until sixth grade when I just got too weak to walk on my own. And then in the eighth grade, I went into an electric wheelchair, which is really, really rough because, you know, in the eighth grade, you've got the hormones and, you know, you like girls and girls supposedly like you and, <laughs> you know, and then to be put into an electric wheelchair, uh oh, It was just really, really hard. But the truth is I just couldn't walk anymore. Hmm. You know, I just kept falling and falling and falling. And so that was really rough for me. But one of the reasons that I think that you might have brought me on is is specifically for this reason. When I realized that because of my disability, as far back as the eighth grade, that it was going to be harder for me to be connected to girls, I learned to be everybody's best friend. Hmm. And so I learned to network really early and make connections with people and really make sure that everybody felt important and valued. And that carried on into my adult life. And then just a short little bit more, despite my disability and recognizing as a young guy that my disability and disorder was really truly a benefit to other people, I still didn't like it. You know, it was still really, really emotionally hard for me because I wanted to be a normal kid. I wanted to be a normal guy. I wanted to be a hero. Like, I wanted to be the man that saves the world, right? Yeah. And wins the girl and gets her out of the castle tower, slays the dragon, and and wins the princess. But with my disability, my mind said I couldn't do that, right? And I just didn't have that confidence. So I developed this ability to network and connect with people until literally like in 1997 when. I moved to Tucson, Arizona. I was walking across the street one day and an SUV stepped on the gas, hit me on my left side, tossed me out into three lanes of traffic. I tucked and rolled. And as I was flying through the air, I'm not getting religious on anybody, but this is what happened. I prayed and I said, God, please, whatever you do, don't let him roll over my pelvis. The wheelchair crumpled underneath his SUV. He came to a screeching stop as I was rolling and his screeching stop his front driver's side wheel came to rest, leaning against my pelvis. Wow. Two more inches, he would have crushed my pelvis. Wow. Inside the restaurant he was coming out of was an EMT team. They ran out, picked me up. They're like, are you okay? Well, they didn't pick me up, obviously. That would be a dumb thing to do, right? <laughs> right. And I was writhing around on pain on the blacktop. Three lanes of traffic avoided me. Not a single car accident. No cars hit me. Wow. And the EMT team came out and they said stop moving. Stop moving. You're going to make it worse. And I was like, no, it hurts. (laughs) And, you know, I was like, no. And they're like, stop moving. Can you move your toes? And I stopped moving. And I said, no, but I haven't been able to move my toes since I was eight. (laughs) So luckily, they literally picked me up, took me across the street to the hospital. And that's not where the story ends. So I wasn't meant to die that day. I spent four months in physical therapy. And on the last day, and in this – during this time, Travis, like I can't lift my arms. So your audience knows like I literally – I'm 75, maybe 80 pounds. I'm four feet tall in my wheelchair, maybe five one if you stood me out and stretched me out. When you see me – and, Trav, you can attest to this, that if I'm leaning forward in my wheelchair, my hips rotate forward so my stomach – Like my belly button literally rests on my lap and then my back curves forward or curves backwards and brings my shoulders, my chest and my shoulders upright so I can look at people as if I'm standing. But literally my hips, my butt sticks out, my back curves crazy and then I come back up. I almost look like a little cobra in some ways (laughs) just so people know what they're looking at, right? So in those four months, I was in excruciating pain. Like I can't lift my arms anyway. Right, And I couldn't push my – in this time, I couldn't push my own wheelchair. I couldn't sit up. I couldn't roll over by myself. I couldn't feed myself. I couldn't work. I couldn't do any speaking gigs. None of that during that time period. I thought like I lost everything. And this is the key point to my whole story. I thought that I had lost absolutely everything. I couldn't push my own chair. I couldn't feed myself dude, how much more could you take from me? I can't walk. I can't lift my arms, right? Like you're stealing the world from me. And even though I'm in a manual wheelchair, right? I started out in an electric wheelchair and gave it up. And when I got to college, everything was taken from me until that last day, four months into physical therapy, my physical therapist said, PJ, I've looked at every medical journal. I've talked to all of my professors, all of my mentors. I've re- looked at all of my books. He's like, I don't know what's wrong with you. And he said, I'm going to try one thing that one of my mentors suggested it might be because the curvature of my spine is related to my hips being really tight. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't fit me into like, I don't know what it's called, like an MRI or a CAT scan or an X-ray or whatever, right, one right. of those things. So he's like, I think your pelvis bone might be knocked out of place. And he palpated me in the pubic line and he's like, oh, that's the problem. He's like, your right hip bone is popped out of place. He's like, I'm gonna pop it back in and it's not gonna feel good. And I was like, Okay. And he's like, but it, it should relieve the pain. And I was like, All right. And he's like, and I'm like, ah, <laughs> like, pop And I was like, ah, ah. Oh my God. It was the most amazing relief in that one moment because I was so willing to go through the pain because I was willing to go through the pain. He popped that back into place. I was realigned and in seconds, all the pain was gone. All the pain was gone. I could sit up, I could move, I could push my wheelchair and I was flooded in that moment. I was flooded in that moment with this overwhelming sense of gratitude. And in that moment, I realized that 10 months earlier I'd had a spiritual experience where I was told to love when I was praying and said, what is it that you want me to do with my life? And I heard the word love. In fact, a pillar of golden light came through the ceiling, filled up my body, and I heard one word, love. And so in that one moment of that sense of overwhelming gratitude, I started to realize what that message was 10 months earlier. It wasn't about me loving other people because I was good at that already. It was about me learning to appreciate and be grateful for what I had. And learning to love my own life. Mm. That's the moment everything changed for me.
0: This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you. That work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters There's so many takeaways here, PJ, but probably one of the biggest things that I've been learning recently is how important our mindset is. And if you've read the book, Think and Grow Rich, I mean, it's hard to argue that point. And hearing this story, I think the one thing that just keeps throwing itself out at me is mindset and how important It is how crucial it is to believe a certain way and to think a certain way, because that's ultimately going to determine who you are and what you get out of life. And even if you're not dealt a fair hand that you thought you should have been dealt, the fact that you can sit there and look at life in a beautiful, loving, (laughs) abundant way, that's what you're going to get out of life because mm-hmm. that's how you perceive life to be. And man, just so, so much good stuff there, PJ. I, I would like to really dive a little bit further into that story because it's such, sure, such sure. an amazing story, but I know that we're running short on time here. So I do want to shift the conversation and talk about what the show is about, about networking, about building relationships, which is ultimately what you've basically been doing for a living since, well, since eighth grade. And <laughs> so I uh, kind of want to double down on that and, and kind of dive deep into how you've been able to grow relationships with some awesome people. And you and I met because of, a mutual friendship that we had with Mm -hmm. John Lee Dumas when you were speaking at Thrive a few weeks ago. And so having those kinds of relationships, and I know you have some with Cole and some of those other guys that were speaking Mm and uh, such an incredible circle of people. Can you kind of talk to us about how you were able to cultivate some of those relationships and what kind of process you go through when you meet somebody and how you follow up?
1: Absolutely. So let's start with the fact that I have a grossly unfair advantage. Because of my disability, right? And because I don't let my disability keep me down, people are like, wow, what's that little dude doing? Like, I met JLD, uh, John Lee Dumas, at a Life on Fire event with Nick Unsworth, and I met him after walking on glass with my hands and breaking a board with my head.
0: Such a great way (laughs) to introduce the conversation. (laughs) Anyway, go ahead.
1: So, you know, that when it's a little dude in a wheelchair, pushing his wheelchair, With his hands in glass and so not really having the ability to bend his arms and, you know, kind of work the shoulders but rather having to change the angle and your hands could slip through the glass and cut you wide open and you're pushing a wheelchair and then, you know, you're giving it everything you've got to drive your head through that board, right? I think that sometimes leaves a little bit of an impression (laughs) compared to somebody who's like, hey, man, my name is PJ. You know what I mean? So I I have a gross disadvantage or gross advantage actually of the phrase. So moving on with that though. When – because of the way I was raised, my mom raised me with this attitude that if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Mm. And that's the Henry Ford quote. And so because of that, I've never really perceived my disability. And sometimes some of my friends are like, you do know you're disabled, right? And that's what impresses people. I was like, I don't know that I'm disabled. No, I forget (laughs) that. And so for me, it's the process that I don't quit. And whether you're disabled or able-bodied, if you don't quit, one, and two, you identify what it is in your life that you really truly want to do and you're actually living that with passion and enthusiasm, other people are drawn to you. Mm. And they're drawn to you because other people are not living that way and they want to live that way. And so when you inspire them, they want to be connected with you. And when they want to be connected with you, all that you have to do is – Allow some space for them. Love them up. Give them some time. Make them, in fact, the most important person in your world in that moment. When I was at Thrive, I was very, very fortunate to come off stage and be surrounded by people Most of the time, like I literally probably missed 50% of all of the speakers after Thrive because of that. And it was wonderful for me because one, I love to connect with people. And two, it gave me a chance to love each single, each and every one of them Mm. and spend time with everybody and find out who are you and tell me about you and what are you interested in and let people know that they matter. And so for me, that's one of the key points about networking. When you let somebody know that they matter, there's nothing that they won't do for you. Hmm. Right? When they feel like you truly care about them. And this isn't artificial. Like, I literally wanted that person to know that I cared. And then literally the last night of Thrive, after the event was over, I had a guy come up to me, and he was talking to me in the restaurant, and he couldn't look at me. And he kept looking away, and he was tearing up, and he'd look at me, and, and he'd look back away, and he would tear up. And I said, are you okay, buddy? And he said... I've never had anybody look at me. I've never had anybody look at me like like you're looking at me. I've never had anybody see me. And it broke my heart. It broke Mm -hmm. my heart, Travis, because I don't ever want anybody to feel slighted. I don't ever want anybody to be forgotten. Mm -hmm. And so if you are the disenfranchised person in the room, I'm going to find you. Because I care about you and I need and want you to know that somebody cares about you. And I would say when I was there at Thrive, um, talking to everybody, I would say when I got done talking with them or when they got – the truth is when they got done talking with me, I would say, hey, as long as you know me, you will always have at least one friend in the world. And I gave people my direct phone number, buddy. I gave people my email. I allowed myself to be accessible. I allowed myself to be a human being. And then after Thrive, a couple of days later, there was a message that was posted on Facebook, not even on my Facebook page. I don't Well, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It was posted somewhere on Facebook that I saw. And this woman said, PJ is the real deal. I wish I could read it to you. If I had uh, Facebook open, I'd read it to you. It just basically said, PJ is the real deal. When he sat down after his speech and spoke to every single person that came up to him and he spent – So much time with them and made every single person feel like they mattered. She said it was unbelievable how much PJ truly cared. Mm -hmm. That's the truth, Travis. There's nothing more to it. If you truly care about somebody, that's what you do. And then how do you follow up? That was part of your question, right? Mm -hmm. If they reach out to you, I told everybody. I said, hey, if you reach out to me and I don't get back to you right away, I invite you to reach out to me two or three days later. Understand I travel a lot and I've got a lot going on. So I do want to talk to you and I definitely want to stay connected. So just reach out again. I invite you to reach out. You are not bothering me. I let everybody know that it was okay, but I also let everybody know that I'm a pretty busy guy and I will definitely get to you as soon as I possibly can.
0: Man, so, so many good things there. Again, I think the biggest thing, though, is genuine, like being genuine in every situation that you're in. And so many times when you go to an event like that, PJ, and I'm I'm sure you know this better than anybody with the amount of events you speak at and the people that you're able to meet. So many people go into those situations with the, what can I get out of this mentality? And I think sometimes even more so some of the speakers, they go to events will come in with that mentality. What can I get out of this? And, And then they'll speak and then they'll leave and they don't talk to anybody and they get their money and then they go on to the next thing. And so being genuine, being truly caring about people is such a remarkable attribute nowadays, which is crazy that it's that, it's that rare, you know? And uh, that was one of the things that stuck out to me so much about you at the conference, and that you took time out of your schedule when I, I was just kind of sitting over and, you know, I, I was working John Lee Dumas's booth for him. I was just kind of sitting over there by myself and you had a bunch of people coming up to you, talking to you and everything. And then you took time to wheel over to the table I was sitting at and chat with me for, I don't know, we talked for 15, 20 minutes there, just about random stuff about life, about my story with my wife and all that kind of stuff. And that It's such an undervalued attribute. And it's something, honestly, that I have to work on a lot. It doesn't It doesn't come naturally to me. Like when I'm in that situation anyway, it doesn't come naturally to me. It's something that I need to definitely work on. And because I know I didn't have a story like yours, you know, like I, I never had that when I was growing up feeling that way. And so, It never really struck me to make sure other people feel that way. And talking to you has really helped me cultivate that kind of a mindset and bring that kind of a mentality into every situation that you're in. And it's been remarkable how much better people respond to you when they know that there's no hidden agenda. You're just there to help. You're just there to love and care and help and, and make the world a better place and make them a better person and turn yourself. And so, so many awesome things from that, PJ. And I want to know your answer to this question. And I I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask it (laughs) away. It's something I ask just about every guest that comes on the show. Do you believe that what you know or who you know is more important and why?
1: Wow, I love that question. I love that question. I want you to ask it again, if you would, please. Because something happened inside of my heart. It split and I need to witness that again. Yeah. So please ask it again.
0: Do you believe that what you know or who you know is more important and why?
1: The answer is it depends on the end result. Okay? Okay. So what you know allows you to apply knowledge and wisdom to any situation and or every relationship that you have. Hmm. Who you know allows you to create movements and raise money and create mass contribution and change in the world. So both of them are equally important in different arenas. And I cannot choose one over the other because the arena that they're being utilized in will dictate what is needed and necessary. And that's one of the important pieces in networking, right? One of the important things that I've experienced with parents, for example, is many times parents will say, why does my kid talk to you but they won't talk to me? And I say, I meet them where they are. I speak their language and then I raise my language and I raise the bar. I raise my quality and my character with them and I raise the expectations I have of them. Hmm. And so. If you come to me speaking – like let's say you're like a mixed martial artist, for example, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, man. It's really cool. and, da, 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 da. and I've, I'm coming with this kind of energy, right? And you're real strong. You've got like this masculine effort and force that you kind of come at the world with, right? And not that you're aggressive and mean like you're a pretty nice guy, but you still kind of talk like this, like a New Yorker, right? Maybe. Right. And so I'm going to talk to you almost in that same way. Now, I'm not responding right now like that yeah. because I want you to see the difference between mm-hmm. the what I was and what I am right now. Right? I'm going to come back with the same kind of, yeah, man, it's really nice to meet you. What do you do? Oh, that's a great martial art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually trained in martial arts too. I'm going to come back with the same kind of force. Why? Because I'm speaking their language. Hmm. When I'm speaking with a little, like an older lady, I'll soften and I'll be really, really sweet with her. Right. Mm-hmm. If I'm talking to a guy who's kind of funny, I'm gonna be kinda, of, you know, upbeat and playful and smile and make a couple jokes with him. Yeah. Because the more I speak your language, the more you connect with me. And it's not me being fake, this is me being actually profoundly authentic. Right. What I'm demonstrating is that I have a range of languages that I can speak. If you speak Chinese, I speak Chinese to you. If you speak Korean, I speak Korean to you. If you speak Afrikaans, I speak Afrikaans to you. Right? Right. I don't right. force you to speak my language. And then if I feel like the other day, for example, I teach martial arts, one of my students told me a pretty off color joke. And I was like, Hey, man, I'm not really sure that's a very appropriate joke. And he's like, Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, sorry. And the reason I tell you that is because I had to change the way I was speaking to him Hmm. to change the way he was thinking. Okay, so prior to that, I was speaking the way he spoke. And then after that, I interrupted that and I changed how he was by changing how I was responding to him and he changed how he was responding to me. So what I did is I made an effort to uplevel his game and to think about what he was doing and how he is. And in fact, let me say this because I just want to give a shout out to John Lee Dumas and he's probably like, oh my god, please stop. You're always giving shout outs. <laughs> but JLD is one of the most remarkable human beings I've ever met. He inspires me, Travis, when most men don't inspire me. Because in his presence, I am always made a better man. He just has to stand in my presence and it makes me want to be better because his level of integrity and character and quality is so high. And I feel like I'm a pretty good guy. But in his presence, like even talking about him, I like literally shifted twice in my chair to straighten my spine even more and to stand even taller in my chair, to sit even taller in my chair because he makes me want to be a better man. Mm. What is a think, profound human being? What, what do you think that
0: quality is? What do you think that boils down to?
1: 100% integrity. Mm. He won't speak an, an ill word about another human being. And I make an effort not to do that also. That's how I was raised, but there's just a real integrity mm. who you see is who he really is. He really is genuinely happy. He really is genuinely kind. He is really genuinely intelligent. He is really genuinely a good businessman hmm. and he makes time for people. When he's there, he's present, his mind doesn't wander and he's not like he doesn't experience chaos in his mind because he set up his life in a way that he's happy with it. Yeah, And this is one of the most beautiful, remarkable things about really identifying and choosing your life. When you set up the life that you really want and you're living how you want to be living and you're living the way you want to be living, where you want to be living, with whom you want to be living. Doing what you want to be doing, right? When you actually take the time to set your life up like that, your mind is still most of the time. Doesn't mean that you don't have thoughts. Doesn't mean that you don't have ideas. Doesn't mean that there's not creativity. Doesn't mean that you don't even second guess yourself. But it does mean that the energy that you put out is significantly calmer and less chaotic than the average person. And when JLD is in your presence, he's in your presence and he's present with you. And you know who else is like this is Gary Vaynerchuk. The time that I've spent with Gary, I've watched him, the time he spent with me and the time I watched him spend with other people, exactly the same. He's 100% present. Mm. And I really, I truly admire both of them, but I am inspired, profoundly inspired by JLD. And it's just because his core is true. Yeah. He lives his yeah. truth.
0: That's so true. Cause I listened to his show for a while before I met the guy, you know, you never know what to, know what to expect when you never actually meet somebody, you just follow what they put out a lot and that was one of the first things that, you know, that I noticed was just like, this is like the same exact guy that's talking on a show all the time, <laughs> you know, like he is that energetic, like he's not trying to make a show. Like he's just, that's just who, that's just who he is. He's just, what you see is what you get. And there's so much to be said for that, especially in the world of online marketing, because there's so many people that are just completely disingenuous and you'll never, never really get to know who they are unless you talk to them, which to me, is just so fake. And I just don't like being around fake people.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the truth is nobody does, right? I mean, nobody wants to be around fake people. They want every single human being wants to inspire and be inspired. Mm. And so we're always looking for somebody who is holding the standard higher. So we get to be better. So we get the chance to be better. So somebody challenges us to be better, right? Right, and right. so we get to do that for everybody else by first and foremost identifying who we really are and what we really want. And then from there, like really being courageous enough to live it, like really, truly be courageous enough to live what you want to live. Yeah. Who do you want to be? Where do you want to live? What do you want to do? And if you can't do it right now, ask yourself, what's it going to take? And every single day, what's it going to take too? What's it going to take to what's it going to take to prime your heart, prime your spirit, prime your soul, prime your conscious mind, prime your subconscious mind, prime your body. What's it going to take to get what I want? And then look for the opportunities, establish the opportunities, create the opportunities, accept and receive the opportunities, ask for the opportunities. Love it. And when you're living in that space, you will inspire other people, too, because you will be living the way other people want to live. The whole point is teaching people to become free.
0: Love it, PJ. Thanks so much for all that. We're going to go ahead and move on into something I like to call the random round, which is just a few really quick random questions with some quick random answers. You ready? Yes. This is the random round. What profession other than your own do you think that it would be fun to attempt?
1: I would love to be a dancer or a professional rock climber. And by dancer, it could be ballet. I love dance. And professional rock climber would be amazing.
0: If you could sit on a park bench with someone, past or present, talk to them for an hour, who would it be and why?
1: Wow, fantastic. I would choose my martial arts teacher's teacher, Takamatsu Sensei, because he was one of the last real warring samurai and ninja. And I would like to find out what his stories were and how I could become a better man like him.
0: How do you like to learn best, PJ, books, blogs, podcasts, or videos?
1: I learn best by watching and by doing when you so say, videos, video,
0: so videos, and then do you follow like a lot of people's video content, or is just like something randomly catches your eye and you go watch it?
1: No, the truth is I actually listen to more podcasts, okay, but uh, when I do get on a video kick, I watch all kinds of videos, like
0: how-to videos and
1: right, okay, absolutely. Or what? I'll watch somebody doing it. What I really like is not necessarily for them to teach me how to do it as much as me to watch them do it. And then the exploration and the discovery is fun of going, okay, why did that work? What did they do? Let me rewind that and watch it again. Let me listen to what they said. How is that working? Because the more I get curious about it, the more I delve into it and get interested, the more I learn. If somebody just says, oh, when they say this, you do this, right? Yeah. Uh, Okay. But what if there's a subtle shift? So the exploration, and the curiosity is what helps me grow.
0: What's a couple of your favorite podcasts?
1: the art of charm podcast. Okay. And I listened to the Tim Ferriss show quite a bit.
0: Give us a glimpse of your morning routine.
1: <laughs> I wake up and my morning routine has not been strong lately. So I wake up, roll out of bed with a scowl on my face because I don't sleep enough. <laughs> and then literally three feet from my bed, I'm like, Oh wait, I'm scowling. Okay. I stop. I breathe. I smile. It's beautiful. Oh, my God. It's so beautiful. I guess I do have a morning routine. (laughs) I stop. I smile. It's beautiful. I literally become peaceful. Mm. And then I climb into the shower. And while I'm in the shower and shaving and taking care of everything, that's my time to pray and to meditate and to think and to make my heart right in the space of love. As soon as I get out, my personal care assistant is here. As soon as she goes, boom, I'm at work. So – and when I say at work, I mean I am on the phone with clients. I'm developing programs. I'm setting up curriculum for my next presentation, my marketing. I'm networking. So I don't currently have a beautiful morning routine like I wish I did. I don't feel like I've got the – I need to sleep. Because well, even, I stay even, up even
0: late. what you just said though is more than what most people do, and priming your mindset for the rest of the day is so important in the mornings. And it sounds like that's exactly what you're doing. So uh, that's probably the most important part of a morning routine, in my opinion, is getting your mind ready for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. So
1: it really, is beautiful.
0: What is your go-to pump-up song, PJ?
1: Oh, that's great. You know, I love that. I am actually listening. I don't know if you know who Cascade is. Cascade is he's a DJ. And there is a – I have it on my computer right now. I don't know. It's like 2014, I think, show he did in San Diego. It's about an hour, hour and a half. Okay. And I'll put that on. And so I don't know. It's just a mix of stuff. So on, I don't have a particular on, It was song. like a
0: whole set that he played?
1: Yeah, a whole okay. set. It's like an hour and a half long set. If you're interested, I'll send it to you. It's EDM. Yeah, definitely. It's Electric yeah, Stance Music. Send,
0: send it over, and uh, we'll try to have that in the show notes for everybody.
1: Oh, super cool. Yeah, super cool. It's an amazing set. What are you not very good at, PJ? Oh my god, paperwork. Are you kidding me? Please send me (laughs) someone who likes paperwork. Paperwork has been the bane of my existence since college. I have always had a pile of paper somewhere, and I cannot stand it. And you think, well, it's just paper, dude, just file it. But you haven't seen my little flipper hands. They don't really work very well. You know, so I've always got a pile of paper somewhere. And I'm actively, and I mean this sincerely, I'm actively moving as close to paperless as I possibly can. Yeah. And it is an unbelievable relief for my so life. So much better. <laughs> yeah. oh, thank the gods. All right. As we
0: get <laughs> everything wrapped up here, PJ, what is one place where we'll be able to find you the most?
1: Mm, that's a great question. I would love to be able to say Tokyo, right?
0: <laughs> I'm talking about social media, online, oh. where ah! can I send people to check out your stuff?
1: <laughs> that's hilarious because I was going to say the airport. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the, the time truth is the airport in San Diego because I'm yeah. back and forth. So the much.
0: actual answer is the airport. Yeah.
1: The actual answer is the airport. Yeah. So, where uh, would you find me the most? Your best bet to find me really is just simply pjswisdom.com. I don't actually have a lot of video out right now. And my Facebook page needs some work. And my social media strategist, as soon as she hears this, is going to be like, I told you, (laughs) I told you, you are not listening to me. I'm like, I know, I just don't have time yet. (sighs) So pjswisdom.com is a really great place to start. And just watch as things start to grow out of that.
0: Perfect. Perfect. So if you want to find PJ, head over to PJ's wisdom.com or just uh, look for his name at the next event that you're going to, because he's not <laughs> speaking at a bunch of them. So PJ, thanks so much for coming to the show today, brother. Had so much fun with you. And I always enjoy getting to
1: chat with you for a little bit. Travis, 100% my pleasure. And please give your beautiful bride a big hug for me and tell her I said hello. Yes, sir. I will.